Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. This is the IBC Podcast. Our Executive Vice President, Reverend Jason Gallion, preaches a message called Your Legacy on today's podcast. Before we get to that sermon, we want to ask a favor of you, the listener of the Indiana Bible College podcast. Will you join with us in prayer for an annual night of worship called IBC Live? This service is happening January 29th, 2021, and the 75% capacity for that service has already been reached. We have and will continue to work diligently to provide a safe environment for those in attendance with social distancing, face coverings, and more to ensure that we're doing our part for this night to happen safely. But more than what we can do physically, we ask that you would partner with us spiritually and ask for God to do something great during that evening. If you are not able to get tickets for this night of worship, it will be streamed for free on our website, www.indianabiblecollege.org forward slash IBC live. So gather up your family and join us from all over the world for a night of worship to the only one worthy. It will be a night where a powerful move of God happens, no doubt. Additionally, Registration for our preview weekend IBC Connect is quickly filling up, and you can visit that same website, indianabiblecollege.org forward slash connect this time instead of IBC Live, indianabiblecollege.org forward slash connect for answers to frequently asked questions and registration information. But right now, we pray that you are challenged by Reverend Galleon's message, Your Legacy. I'm not going to get into a lot of detail, but Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, and beginning in verse 13, it says, And therefore set I in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles, and to the rulers, and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. And fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it came to pass where our enemies heard it, that it was known unto us, and that God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall, every one to his work. And it came to pass from the time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them held both the spears, the shields, and the bows, and the harbingons, and the rulers were behind all the houses of Judah. They which build on the wall, they which bear burdens, and those that laden, every one of his own hand wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. There's a couple of things I want to pull out of this. I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, their bows. Verse 13. The other thing, they which build on the wall. And they that bear the burdens with those that laden. Every one of his own hands wrought in the work. And with the other hand held a weapon. I want to talk about this. Your legacy. Your legacy. Your legacy doesn't start when you have children. Your legacy started when you accepted the call of God on your life. I want you to lift your hands right now and close your eyes. Lord, I pray that your spirit would have its way. Pray, God, that you would just help. I pray that you would lift us up and encourage. I pray, God, that faith would be built in this place. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would begin to move. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would unlock some things in this building. Unlock our understanding, number one. Unlock our ears so that we can hear our hearts, so that we can receive. I pray, God, that you'd unlock our faith, that, that measure that you've given every one of us so that we can begin to anticipate and see things that are so far beyond our understanding, far beyond our reach, it may seem, that you would unlock those elements, God, that we would just believe that you are capable of doing what you said in your word that you can do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We give you glory. We give you honor. And everyone said in Jesus' name. Amen, you may be seated. There's an element in every church. It doesn't matter if that church is called a Bible college 
or a home missions plant or an established work. There's an element that has the potential to destroy lives. It's an element that can weave its way in like a serpent. It is destructive. It's an element that can tear apart unity. It can destroy faith. It can rip apart families even and and utterly destruct what God is trying to put together. It is connected to the flesh. As a matter of fact, those that operate in this and those that endeavor to fulfill its vices, though it may seem sweet and pleasing to the belly as a morsel, as Scripture talks about it, it's one that is absolutely as poison that will affect the body and the mind. I've watched this single element begin to tear down believers that stood on godly principles, that never wavered in the doctrine, but yet this element began to get into their mind, and before you know it, they're not questioning if God is one, but they are questioning the assembling of themselves together. Because disunity has gripped their heart and the poison has turned their thoughts and mind against other believers in their midst. I've watched them, I've watched them walk away from church never to return. And if you were to talk to them today, they would say things as if there's hypocrites in that church. They say one thing, but they live another. They're not necessarily talking about their lifestyle, but they are talking about this one single element that has the ability to turn your thoughts against those that are closest to you, and that is called gossip and slander. Let me tell you, it's a dangerous thing to be a part of. Is it happening here? Absolutely. Is there people that are sitting among you that are participating in it? No question about it. Are they operating in a godly spirit? No, they are not. As a matter of fact, they are fulfilling the will of the enemy because Satan would love nothing more than to divide this group, divide you because there's a thought in your mind about someone or about what someone has said concerning your life. But I'm here to say this. We've got to resist the enemy and the attack of the enemy on our mind. You've got to go beyond just the anxiety issues of COVID, the fear of COVID, and you have to begin to attack the enemy at its core because what the enemy wants to accomplish is to disunify the believers in the church. And if there's one thing that we cannot tolerate, we cannot tolerate disunity, but we must unify together. We must have one mind. We must be in one accord. We must stand for truth and right Righteousness, but we must be connected as brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible talks about something very emphatically, and that is the fact of family. If we begin to look in Matthew, the fifth and sixth chapter, chapter alone begins to emphasize who we are as family. No one may not come right out and say that you are a family, but the principle is there. The principle of calling one another brother and sister is pretty profound because we are brothers and sisters in who? And so if you look to the right and to the left, whether you like him or not, that is your brother and your sister. We look at Matthew 5 and 16 and glorify your father which is in heaven. 5 and 45, that ye may be the children of your father. 5 and 48, be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And so every time that you look at someone and call them a brother and a sister, you know what you're reminding yourself? We family. That's it. I love you like my brother. There's nothing that can divide us because whether we like it or not, we're connected. You've heard the saying that blood is thicker than water, right? You know what that means? Friendships come and go. But family, unfortunately, they don't go anywhere. As a matter of fact, family comes over for Thanksgiving and they'll stay a week longer than they're supposed to because that's family. And guess what? You gotta love them and you may not always like them, but you love them, right? And you're always sad to see them go, though you may rejoice as they pack their bags and exit the building, but you're like, oh, we love you so much. Hopefully we'll see you again next year. On my terms, of course. But family is family. 
You know what the beauty of family is? Is sometimes your biological family is not really the family that you would choose, right? Uh, because I'll be honest with you, if I had a choice of a sister, it probably wouldn't be the one that I was given. <laughs> y'all laugh because y'all are thinking the same thing. There's some of you that have brothers and sisters. You're thinking, yeah, I'm there because I wouldn't choose that one either. You know, if I was gonna look around, Brother Dibble, I'd probably say, you know what? Uh, that's, that's a better sister than the one I got, right? But guess what? I wouldn't trade her for a million dollars. I couldn't get that out of her, but I wouldn't anyways. I wouldn't trade her at all. You know why? <laughs> Because she's my sister and I love her and we're connected. And you know, she could call me up on the phone any hour of the day or night and whatever she needed, I would do my absolute best to fulfill that need. I'd pray for her. I'd be there. I'd drive three and a half hours or a or hundred hours to be by her side, to hold her hand, to make sure that whatever storm she had to go through, that I was going to walk with her. The same thing for my mom and my dad and my cousins. You know what? We are family and we are connected. And though we may not always agree on everything, theological debate that we get into and though we may not socially uh, connect with one another and go hang out as friends, we are family and that's what distinguishes us from strangers and friends. It's the family concept. You are connected to the family of God. So here it is. Here it is. The family of God. Sing songs like, you're my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand. It's beautiful, isn't it? Not the singing, the song, brother and sister. We, we, we call each other that because it's not just for us to understand, but it's to let the enemy know you don't belong messing with my family. I mean, he's had a bigger brother that fought a bully once or twice. How many's ever fought the bully for a little sibling? How many's ever had somebody uh, come up and say something to a cousin or a friend, and boy, your blood begins to boil, and you're like, mm, "Fixing to take care of this." Uh, where, where are they at? Just show me where are they at. You know what? That's what happens when family. It's like the red rage begins to burn in your mind because somebody that shouldn't been messing was messing, and you're gonna mess with them because that's my little brother, or that's my sister, or that's that's my relative. You don't have any business. You know what? I, I wish I wish we could get the concept in our mind that gossip begins to destroy the ties of brother and sisterhood. We've got to get in our mind that we're not gonna let the enemy begin to mess with us in a very divisive way that he begins to poison our thoughts against one another and we begin to divine because there's going to come a moment where the only person that's going to stand with you and minister to you and fight the enemy for you is going to be your family. And it's not always your biological family. It's your spiritual family. So we've got to get gossip out. We need to change our core values and let the devil know and whoever would operate in that spirit know that I'm not buying into that. That's not what we do. Tell you something, it's kind of like this. Uh, you know what you believe, right? You know what you believe? Do you know what you believe? Sophia, do you know what you believe? So if you believe it, you should what? You should live it. So do you live what you believe? You know what that is? That's core value. What is your core value based upon, Andrew? The Word of God. Why is your core value so importantly based upon that? Because that does not change. It does not alter. It's forever settled in heaven. Your core values cannot be based in philosophy. It cannot be based in trends. It cannot be based in fads. Your core value cannot be based on how we do church or where we do church because those things could change. It changed to a living room at times. It changed to an internet service at times. That's not my core value, but my core value is based in the word of God. That's why I've got to believe what is preached and taught in that word. I've got to be holy. Because he is holy, and without holiness, no man shall see God. Oh, I've got to know who I am. I've got to become righteous. I've got to become what God has instructed me to become. I must be like him. That's my core belief. I've got to look it. I've got to act it. I've got to speak it. I've got to sing it. I've got to preach it. Because if my core values don't just stay on the inside, everybody knows my core values. Because what I believe is how I live, and how I live is very public. And so core values. 
So why is it that you're willing to compromise your core values and allow someone to speak gossip into your life? Why is it that you're allowing someone to slander another person because it goes against your core values? Oh, oh, you need scripture. Hang on just a minute. I'm so glad I printed out some of these scriptures because I've got a few pages of that that deal with it. Do I need to read them? I probably shouldn't. And I'm not even gonna begin to talk about the whole issue that whoever speaks it is judged exactly as whoever hears it. That's what scripture says. So you don't even have to speak gossip, but if you listen to it, the same judgment on the gossiper falls upon your shoulders. Oh, you begin to look at this. There's some things that God is very angry about. He's angry about people that gossip. As a matter of fact, someone that gossips is not going to make it to heaven. Someone that enters into that gossip, uh, uh, we can go in Romans 1, 29 and 30. Uh, that's a good one. Haters of God, unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, they that gossip, slanderers, disobedience to parents. What is it saying? You're not gonna see the kingdom of heaven. You're not gonna make it. So we gotta be careful with gossip. I know it's like a morsel that you just get a little nibble. Mm, that's so delicious. Oh, you know why? Because it feeds your pride and your ego and your insecurities when you think that someone is doing less than what you're doing. You can point the finger at them, but the problem with pointing the finger, what's, what's the problem with pointing the finger? Is you've got three that are pointed right back at you because when you begin to point the finger at someone and begin to tear them down and talk about what they're not doing and oh, you're not gonna believe what they did. Guess what happened over a break? You're not gonna believe this. Oh, and it makes you feel lifted and godly and righteous because at least I didn't go that far. I didn't do, but guess what? Guess what? You might as well have done it because you're not gonna see the kingdom of heaven either. You've messed up already. We've gotta get gossip and slander out of this school. We've got to remove it. It violates our core value. It violates who I am. It violates what God has instructed me to become and do. That's not what a preacher does. That's not what a worship leader does. And so I therefore cannot participate what violates my core value. And guess what? Being a part of the body of Christ and the family of Christ. Guess what happens? We're connected. We're fitly joined together. So you know what that means? If a member, if a member is going to violate your core value, then what needs to happen to that member? It needs to be reprimanded. So you've got to self-police those that are not operating under their core values. That's the way it works because we're, we're unified together. And I can't afford to let disunity get in this group. And you can't afford to let disunity get in the student body. So when someone comes and say, Joel, I got to tell you, you're not going to believe what happened the other day. I got to tell you some stuff about so-and-so. You know what you need to do? Step back and say, no, 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 that violates my core values. That's not being self-righteous, but that's being righteous by his word. That's being righteous by the spirit of God. You need to stand up. Oh, come on, some of you call yourself a man or a woman of God, but yet you're unwilling to offend those that are gonna talk about the offenses of others. You need to stand on your principles and say that violates who I am as an apostolic believer. You know why we can't afford to do this? Because when there's schisms in the body and divisions in the body, the body cannot function the way God intended it to function. And if you've got a body that cannot function, then you're unhealthy and will never accomplish what God has put before you. Because every one of you provide a role in the body. And so don't tell me that, well, you don't understand. I'll never be a preacher. God doesn't need every one of you to be a preacher. Well, well, you don't understand, brother. I'll, I'll never be a musician. Well, thank God he doesn't need every one of us to be musicians. I'll never be a singer. Well, thank God for that. And when you demonstrate, I won't do that. Brother Kilman acts like he can't sing, but he sings good. I've heard him. And I'm quite the judge of who can sing good and who can't sing good. I'm pretty good at judging. I don't know if he's singing on key, but it sounds good to me. <laughs> That's unverified. We'll have to wait till the evidence come back on that, Brother Kill. Because God has a function for you to perform. The body has to be healthy. We've got to be connected. Let me, let me just let me talk about this scripture right here. We find very interesting phrases in this scripture about what God is trying to do to repair and build walls. Now, not all walls are bad, by the way. 
I've heard preachers, and there was a whole generation that, that said, well, you know, holiness is so restrictive. It's like there, there's these barriers that keep us from, and I've heard men talk about how they were so liberated. I had a friend of mine that said, oh, man, when I stopped preaching holiness and we stopped living holy and righteous, we felt so liberated. You know what? Yeah, you will feel liberated for a moment when you tear down the wall, but there's a reason why the wall was built to keep something out. So you may be able to run out your front yard and run all the way across the pasture and all the way down the valley and all the way over to the next county. But guess what? That wall was to keep the invaders from coming in. There's a wall that you need to build so that when the enemy comes against you with fiery darts, you can stand against his attack. And that wall will only come when you're separated and you're righteous and you've allowed there to be distinctives placed in your life. It's about core values. I either believe it's wrong or I don't believe it's wrong. But guess what? I think that we need to be very strong on our principles and and it's okay to preach holiness. And it's okay to preach righteousness. And it's okay to live holy. And it's okay to live righteous. And it's all right to be separate from this world. I believe in that. We need distinctives because that's a wall that's been built that guards us against the enemy. Because I'll be quite frankly, you know why you need that wall? Because some of you can't handle your liberty. You'll get further and further and further. And that very preacher that talked about liberty, guess what? He'll find himself waking up mornings that he has a hungover and he can't even get out of bed because his head is pounding. And guess what? He can't live without smoking a cigar every now and then. Here's a preacher that walks so far away from truth. He doesn't even know who he is or what he believes. That's what happens when you begin to tear down the walls in your life. Those walls will protect you from the vices of this world that'll pull you further and further away from the presence of God. But there's got to be somebody that says, I love God more than life itself. I love godliness more than life itself. I want to be connected to him. So, so these walls, these walls that had protected Israel now Israel felt liberty when they were destroyed by, well, you name it, the Persians were the last group, but, but they were destroyed. And so any band of marauders could march in and take captive and plunder and pillage whatever they wanted because there were no walls that protected them. That's why it's important that you identify what you believe. Because when you say, I, I believe this, it has to be definitive. That's a line that you've drawn. I believe. I believe in this. That's a line that I've drawn. You know what it's doing? It's allowing you to stand on principle. It's allowing you to stand with your core conviction. Some of you that keep wavering, depending on what peer group that you're talking to, on what you believe and what you don't believe, is someone that has no consistency. And that's a dangerous person. You, you, you've, got to, you've got to man up, so to speak. You, can you woman up? You, you've got to step forward and say, this is who I am. You know, some of you guys, you, you, you can get by with some stuff because your distinctive isn't so noticeable. Uh, but our ladies, hallelujah, God bless them, and God thank you for these wonderful apostolic ladies that are very distinct in what they believe. There's no questioning an apostolic lady, but some of you men, shame on you when you get confused about not being an apostolic because there should be something that radiates on the outside. Your Instagram post should reflect your godliness, and, and guess what? Your internet browser should reflect what you believe and who you are. That should be your identity. There shouldn't be a question when I go to the gym. There, there shouldn't be a question. When I'm out with friends that are not apostolic, I should know who I am. What the world needs is somebody that knows who they are in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you one of the greatest compliments. I, I had somebody uh, uh, contact me. Um, this happened with an IBC uh, a couple young ladies and someone that was not a part of IBC contacted me. I said, Brother Guy, and I just want to tell you, this is a few years ago, I, I go to the gym, such and such a gym every morning, and she said, there's a particular young man that comes there and he works out every morning. He's very disciplined. And uh, she said, I've watched this young man. She said, when these young ladies walk by very inappropriately dressed, 
this young man, he, he puts his head down, diverts his eyes, will not even engage. She said, I appreciate his conviction. She said, there's nobody that even knows that he's at the gym, but yet here he is. He's not even allowing that to pull his flesh to allow him to look at something. Let me tell you, that's what happens. That's what conviction and principles are, is when nobody else can verify or there's no one else around, is you just have it in your heart to where you're not even gonna enter in in the privacy of a room or the privacy of a gym where nobody knows. That's what's standing on that conviction and that principle. That's someone that knows the value of a wall in your life. And you're saying that's where the line has been drawn. And I respect that because I know what's on the other side of that line. There's heartache and there's famine and there's distress and there's murder. There's things that I don't want to enter into. So I'm going to stand right here in the protection of God's fellowship. So the wall was destroyed. You, you know the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is going to rebuild the wall. And there was adversity. Let me just say this. It doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter where you are in your relationship with God. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. There will always be a battle for your soul. Do you think it just quits? Do you think it just goes away? No, it, the battle that you're fighting now, it's important for you to get the victory over. Because if you don't get the victory over this battle, number one, that battle will stay with you for the rest of your life. But then secondly, guess what? There's going to be more battles on top of that battle. So you've got to get the victory over that battle right now because the enemy's going to come against you again and again and again. And some of us are not prepared to fight against the attack of the enemy because we can't even win an elementary battle over here. We can't even get discipline down. We can't even get pure thought down. We can't even get... So if I can't win that battle, how am I thinking that God's going to set me up to do great things in the kingdom? Let me tell you, the greatness that you can achieve is not based upon your talent, but it's based upon your consecration to God. So if you are committed to God, God can use you in areas that you'll step back and say, how in the world did I end up here? Because I don't believe there's any person, at least there shouldn't be in the kingdom of God, that steps into that place where as soon as you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you think, man, I'm qualified to preach any event that would ever come. I, I am probably the, no, 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 that's the wrong type of thinking, and I hope that no one thinks that, and probably you think the opposite. Who am I? A sinner saved by grace. Who am I? The least in my Father's house. Who am I? You know what? God God specializes, specializes in using people that are unqualified. God specializes in using the least among us. That's what God specializes in. You know why? Because that's where God can get all the glory. So sometimes if you've got a lot of talent and a lot of ability, you've got to pray extra hard to stay humble and submitted to God. But it's that person that has nothing that just kind of walk around saying, the only thing I know to do is to keep praying and keep seeking the face of God. That's who God says, I'm going to use you. That's the one. That's it. Hey, boys, looky here. You see that? That kid right there, they've got no talent and no ability. But guess what? When I get them over here and put them up, everybody's going to know that's God that's working through them. So stop stressing about the doors that haven't opened and start submitting yourself to the presence of God and saying, here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me. I have no ability. I've got no talent, but I'm willing to be used by you. So where's it at? Where's it at? I don't even know where it's at. Where, where, where's Brandon, where's my hammer at? Somebody grab that hammer. So here's where it is. That was awesome. I felt good about that. I want you to stand on the platform on the top of that stair right there. Because here's what was taking place. What was taking place is that Nehemiah understood that when they begin to rebuild this wall, the enemy's going to come against you. Oh, there's a whole sermon right there. You got time for me to preach this? Because guess what happens? You may have torn down a wall in your life, and that's why you're at IBC. You may have messed up and made some mistakes, but God began to deal with you, and you decided, I'm going to come to IBC and get my life turned around, and I'm going to submit myself to this call of God that I've had upon my life for months and months that I've never done anything with. But the moment that you get here and you start rebuilding the wall, you better be prepared because the enemy detests what you're going to build because you're defining who you are, and you're saying, I'm not ever going back to that. I'm building this wall so that I 
never return. The enemy's going to attack you. That's why some of you get discouraged and you get despair in your mind and you're ready to give up and walk away. That should tell you the opposite of abandonment, but it should say, stay the course. Hold on. That means God is doing a work when the enemy begins to mess with your mind. So they begin to endeavor to build this wall. And Nehemiah was just a civilian. He, he knew nothing about building, nothing about fighting. But he said, here's what we're going to do. It was the opening chapter. I just read it. He said, we're, we're going we're to take families. And they're going to hold swords and spears and bows. And they're going to stand on that wall. And they're going to be ready. And then we're going to take these workers. We're going to take these workers. And we're going to place these workers with hammers in their hand. I want you to go stand. And as this worker begins to work on this wall, the peace of mind that he has, not that these are dating or anything like that. I just randomly pulled this out, but if something happens in the future, you can thank me for it. <laughs> uh, I probably should choose someone else. I, I'm, I've already embarrassed him too much. But, but it's, you, you, this is just a, uh, never mind. <laughs> but as dad begins to work on the wall, guess what? Daughter is standing behind him. And son is standing behind him. And his wife is standing behind him. And cousins are standing behind him. And they're prepared to battle because they know as he's building this wall back, as he's reestablishing his commitment, as he's defining his core values, as he's committed himself to the call of God, the enemy has the ability to sneak up, but he's not getting very far because there's somebody standing with a sword saying, I'm going to do battle against the enemy. That's why we've got to get division out of the church. We must be unified because the enemy is coming for a soul and I've got to fight against it. Oh, you hear me. You hear me. There's prayers. You've got to pray over a student in this place. There's worship that you've got to give in place of that student that cannot give it because the enemy wants to tear down their thoughts. The enemy wants to discourage their call of God. And you've got to be willing to fight, not talk bad about them. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It doesn't just stop there. It doesn't just stop there. Because not only, not only do you have to fight and you have to fight. Let me borrow this for a minute. But guess what you've got stuck? It's not sharp. Put that in your belt or your belt loop. Guess what you've got on your side? You've got a weapon. So dad couldn't afford that when the enemy came against just to let his family fight the battle. But you had to build, and you had to be prepared to fight. Nobody's exempt from the fight, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready to fight? Are you ready to fight? Are you ready to pray against the attack against your family? Are you ready to fight against the attack against your mom and your dad and your brother and your sister and your cousins and your aunts and uncles that have been battling and trying to live for God? Are you ready to rise up and say, I'm not willing to let my family go. I'm not abandoning them, but I'm going to fight. Come on, dad. Are you ready to build, rebuild? Come on, apostolic young people in this place. You've been fighting. You've been building. And now you're ready because you've defined who you are. And now it's time. To say, come on, devil, I'm ready. You can't have one student in IBC. You can't have one of my family members. They not be may not be strong enough. They may not be completely prepared, but I'm not giving up the fight on their behalf. All right, sit down, sit down. But here it is, here it is. You see, you see, you can't do that if if there's disunity. Because that's not where your mind's at. You don't even care. Because all you're worried about and worked up about is who's saying this and who's doing this. And who you don't like. And, and you're talking bad about them behind their back. And, and some of you have been talking bad about them unopenly in the slop. You see, that's not where your mind's at. You're so far disconnected from the will of God and what God is wanting. Let me tell you, there's testimonies that are sitting in this room. People that 
that have literally come from hell on earth in their home life, in their family. And they've walked in here. And some of you have already gotten on their, their social media accounts. And you said, oh, dear God, look, look at what they were doing a year ago. My goodness, look. Uh, you know what? I think, I, I think there's, a, there's a sexual spirit on them from a couple years. And you know what? You may be right. But they're here right now because they've made a commitment in their life. I'm going to rebuild this wall. I'm going to rebuild this wall. Come on, it's not time to tear down your brother, your sister, but it's time to build up. It's time to pray over. It's time to fight for them. Come on, I should be so sensitive that when I walk into the dorm or the slob that I can sense that there's somebody that's in a battle. It's time for me to hit my knees and begin to pray. It's time for me to do battle against the enemy. I don't know who's fighting. I don't know who's about to give up, but I'm going to stand behind you, and I'll keep the enemy at bay. You're not going to fall on my watch. I'll keep praying. I'll keep fasting. Uh, So here it is. Here it is. We, we, we see an example. We see a beautiful example. Not just in Nehemiah, but in 2 Kings. Because these are some of the principles. I shared this with Spanish IBC. Here's the principles. First Bible school that's ever mentioned, mentioned in, in the Word of God. Bible school is in the Word of God, by the way. It's in, it's in good old Second Kings. And we have this prophet, Elisha, in the sixth chapter. And here's why it's so important for us to learn how to fight, to do battle against the enemy. I've already said no one's exempt from it. But everything you desire is not going to happen because it's just given to you. Although faith... Is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You must prepare yourself to do the work of God. You, you, you must. Now, it's not solely based upon your works. But if you don't study, you, you shouldn't preach. If you don't apply, then you're not going to learn. If you don't invest, how many musicians do we have in this place? I want a, I want a keyboardist. Who, who's a good keyboardist around here? Jason Worley, get up here. Jason, did you wake up one morning and just learn how to play the keyboard? How long did it take you to actually learn to play a good song correctly? A year? A week? A few weeks? A few weeks. How long does it take you to, to perfect a song for the hour? A few weeks? How many hours would you think? An hour? 15 minutes? Four or five hours, 10 hours. She doesn't really know. You live it, you breathe it, you think about it, it's constantly there. Every mistake you hear, every mistake the band makes, you cringe a little. The vocals too. But it's repetition, it's practicing. Perfecting. Some of you preachers are over in your dorm room sleeping, and these musicians are up here perfecting, perfecting. You know why? Because that that song is going to be recorded for potentially ever. And that song is going to go around the world. And so they're going to do their best. You know why? Because there's people that are so critical that if that album has one mistake, they're going to hear it, and they cannot even get the message that God's trying to give them because they cannot get past that one missed note or that one mistake on somebody's instrument. And so they know for us to do our best is to give it everything we've got so that God can step in and move and nobody is focusing on what the mistakes were, but everybody's focusing on the spirit that's behind it. Now they pray and they fast and they're ready spiritually and coupled with their practice, guess what? God is going to do a work through this recording, but some of us feel like that we can just wake up and God's just going to open the door and we're going to have all the blessing and all the anointing and all the talent and everything we, no, 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 you'll never you'll never accomplish what God has called you to accomplish by being lazy and uncommitted and having no disciplines in your life. And so you've got to put your hand to the task. Here we have in this opening passage, the first 
verse of chapter 6, 2 Kings, is they identified that the place where they were dwelling was too small. They, they were just kind of all stuck together, sleeping side by side. And they said, we've we got to build a new dormitory. We've got to build a, a larger place. And, and, and we can't expect somebody else to raise an offering for us or, or a group of people just to come in and build like they did this chapel. But we've got to put our hand, every hand to a beam. You know what that means? That if you're going to fight against the enemy, if you're going to do the will of God, if you're going to push gossip out of this place, it's going to take some work on your behalf. You can't be a minister of the gospel and be lazy. But you've got to take in your hand the beam and you've got to put it on your shoulder and you've got to pack that over and lay those beams together and begin to build your ministry. Come on, you've got to get serious about your call. It's not just what God can do through you. It's about being a vessel that has been cleaned out and prepared and that's ready to be filled by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You've got to put your hand to the beam. not about a response, it's about a life of response. I'm not asking you to come and pray and cry at an altar. I'm asking you to change the way you're living. That's what application is. The altar call is the most important part of the sermon, but it's null and void if you get up from this altar and you go right back to doing what you did before the altar. man take a beam so here's one of the principles number one you've got to put the work in stop missing classes stop expecting instructors to make exceptions for you stop going back and asking to open up classes and try to fix this for you and it's unethical number one number two it shows your lack of character and your lack of commitment to the things of God because why, why in the world would we want that to happen? You didn't go to the class. You didn't turn the assignment in. You deal with it because you didn't put your hand to the beam. You pick it up. You learn the lesson. Talking about lessons, I got a dog that can't learn nothing right now. I, was, I'm, I told my wife, she was in agreement after this morning. I've been telling her for days. I'm like, that dog will not listen. I'm telling him, he's looking at me. I'm like, come here. Come here. Come here right now. And you know what he does? He runs off. <laughs> I'm going I'm, I'm gonna go to Cabela's and get one of those shot callers. <laughs> We're gonna have a curly poodle next week. I come here, he runs off. <laughs> Run away from me. I, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to shock him. I'm, I'm thinking about it. I want to. I can tell you a story that probably my dad would get arrested over, but I worked with hunting, working dogs, hunting dogs, and we had, a, we had a dog that wouldn't respond to the whistle, come back. When the whistle's blown, they stop hunting, they come back. This dog would run faster. So you know what my dad did? Number six birdshot pulls up and peppers him. That dog never ran away from the whistle again. Dad blow that whistle, he'd stop, turn around, come right back. <laughs> you can't do that stuff nowadays because you'll go to jail. But that was old school. That was way back in the old days. And I've got the shotgun set by the back door. I'm ready. Come here. Come here. I'm not going to do it. I'm just messing. You know what's so amazing is some of you had more sentiment for a dog than you do someone sitting in this room. <laughs> I, I, never under, I never understood that. Some of you, you, you wouldn't do anything to hurt a little puppy, but boy, you would destroy someone's reputation that's sitting here with you. 
That dog ain't making it to heaven. I don't care what you think. Not all dogs go to heaven. No dogs go to heaven, by the way. But I'll tell you what does go to heaven. That's a soul that can make it to heaven. And why would we let somebody offend another person and keep them out of heaven? We, we've got to fight the battle. You've got to put your hand to the beam. You take responsibility for your action. You do what is right. You get up and apply yourself and make sure that God knows and everybody around you. Guess what? If there's one thing that I know how to do, I may not be able to preach a sermon or play an instrument but I know how to keep my promise and I know how to stand on my principles and I know what my core values are. Every one of you can get to that place to know who you are. That's the key. Put your hand to the beam. All right, I'm closing. What time is it? I've been preaching a long time, Brother Turner. He's gonna be aggravated. He's gonna cut me off here. So here we are. The second principle. You want, you want the, I'm done. Second principle. They're chopping with an axe. And the axe head falls off in the river. These are, these are young prophets. These are young preachers. These are ministers of the gospel. They know how to pray. They probably are very good preachers, no doubt. Probably flow in the spirit, Brother Kilman. Sensitive and, and can operate. And I, don't, I don't know. I, I, they're, they're, they're there. They had some schooling. Go preach an MSA and people get in the Holy Ghost. I've got some seasoning under my belt. That axe head falls in the river. Nobody jumps in to go get it. No one says a prayer over it. No one does anything. You know what they do? They do what they know to do. They go to the man of God. Well, let me tell you something. You, you, you got to start applying yourself and carrying that beam. But the second thing, when you encounter, you better start going to the man of God. You need to go to your campus pastor. You, you need to go to your pastor. You need to make sure that if there's questions in your mind, you're not seeking the advice of your peers because guess what? As good as intentions as they had, they'll lead you down dangerous paths because they can't see the end result of their own advice. But you go to somebody that can, someone that has a little seizing, someone that's walked in those same shoes. You go to the man of God in your life. You go to your pastor. You get your pastor on the phone. It's not time to talk about somebody else in that room. It's time to start praying for them and go to spiritual authority. He went to the man of God. Last master, that was borrowed. It's not even mine. I don't even own it. And guess what? The man of God is going to fix the problem. He's going to take care of it. He never even saw it coming. How is an axe head going to float? It's because when you go to the man of God in your life, impossible things become possible because you submit yourself to his guidance and his direction, and God will take care of the rest. So here it is. Uh, stand, stand. Musicians, come. I, I, I got a. I was going to do something else, but I'm not going to do it. Lord, have mercy. Robert Service is one of my favorite poets. He's not the roses are red and violets are blue type. Robert Service is from Great Britain. He moved to the Yukon Territories. He has a cabin just outside of uh, Whitehorse, Yukon, and I've been up in the hills by his cabin, ridden snow machines up there. It's a beautiful little cabin. He sets under these beautiful pines, beautiful setting. He used to sit out there and write his poetry, lines of verse. And I, wonder if, I wonder if he was sitting in the door of that cabin because I've, I've seen it. And there's pines all around it. I wonder, I wonder if he was sitting in that cabin when he wrote this. It's called The Pines. He's a man that loved the outdoors, and here's what he wrote. He said, we sleep in the sleep of ages, the bleak barbarian pines. The gray moss drapes us like sages, and the closer we lock our lines. The deeper we clutch through the gilded gloom where never a sunbeam shines. On the flanks of a store gourd ridge are our black battalions massed. We surge in a host to the sullen coast, and we sing in the ocean blast. From empire of sea to empire of snow, we grip our empire fast. To the dangerous lands we are driven, towards the desert and flows are we pinned. To us was the Northland given, ours to stronghold and defend. He's talking about a barrier of pines locked together. It's going to stand against the blast of the storm. 
defend the land because this is what was given to us to defend. God has called you to defend. And it's time for you to defend the body of Christ. It's time for you to start helping others fight the battle. Not oscillate and scorn. Talk bad about. Come on, can you help me? Can you help our campus pastor? Can you help him fight against gossip and slander, disunity? Can you pull people together? I don't want you to feel peer pressure, but I want you to feel peer pressure. Who's going to be the first one to step out and say, I'm going to stay true to my core values. I'm not going to let the enemy get in my conversation. I'm going to fight back. I'm going to pray against it. I'm going to reach out and love somebody. Come on, we're building a wall together. Who's going to be the first one that says, I'll make a commitment. I'm not going to participate in that. I'm not going to let gossip rule. Come on, who else? If you can't commit, just stay there. But if you can commit, I want you to step out and get as close to this front as you can. I know it may be a little uncomfortable, but, but, but I want you to feel the pressure to do. Come on, I want us to begin to say, we're, we're going to fight together. Come on, we're going to fight against the attack of the enemy. This is our to defend. So we're going to lock our lines against every storm that would blow against us. We're going to stand together. Come on, I'm going to stand behind you as you build your wall. I've got a sword. I'm, I'm ready to fight with it. I've got a bow. I'm ready to come against the enemy when he tries to attack you and tear you down. Come on, how many would go to somebody right now and begin to lay your hand on them and begin to pray and say, come on, we're going to fight together. Come on, we're going to join together. We're going to be unified in this. We're going to stand with each other. We're going to trust in God. We're going to push the enemy out. We're not giving up. Come on, I'm not turning back. I don't care what's happened in your past. Come on, this is a new day. This is your hour. You're not in this battle by yourself. Oh, come on, high DC. Come on, that's it. Let the Holy Ghost begin to lift us up.